Welcome to the Tech Meme Right Home for Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, seriously, what is it with crypto bridges? Why are they so seemingly easy to hack? New York cracks down on Robinhood. A bunch of Silicon Valley boldface names are going to be swept up into the Twitter Elon trial. And if Chromebooks and gaming are suffering post-COVID hangovers, is Uber a post-COVID phoenix? Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. To sing the old soccer song, it happened again, it happened again, Tottenham Hotspur, it happened again. Hackers have drained nearly the entire $190.7 million in crypto that was in the Nomad Token Bridge. Nomad raised an April 2022 seed from Coinbase, OpenSea, and five other companies. So, like, I guess bridges just aren't structurally sound. Quoting Cointelegraph, the Nomad token bridge appears to have experienced a security exploit that has allowed hackers to systematically drain a significant portion of the bridge's funds over a long series of transactions. Nearly the entire $190.7 million in crypto has been removed from the bridge, with only $651.54 left remaining in the wallet, according to decentralized finance tracking platform DeFi Llama. However, Nomad later suggested to Cointelegraph that some of the funds were withdrawn by white hat friends who took the funds out with the intention of safeguarding them. So far, at least one individual has come out and offered to act as a white hat hacker who intends to return the funds they took from the bridge. The individual going by NotifyBot on Twitter reached out to Nomad in a tweet stating, this is a white hack, I plan to return the funds, end quote. The incident has seen wrapped Ether, USD coin, Frax, Covalent Query Token, Hummingbird Governance Token, Igon, I-A-G-O-N, Dai, Jeru Wallet, Cardstarter, Saddle Dow, and Charlie 3 tokens taken from the bridge. Exploiters removed tokens in an unusual fashion, as each token was removed in nearly equivalent denominations. For example, transactions with exactly 202,444.725413 USDC were executed over 200 times. Nomad is a token bridge that allows transfers of tokens between Avalanche, Ethereum, Evmos, Milkometa C1, and Moonbeam. Unlike other exploits that have become somewhat commonplace in 2022, this event so far has hundreds of addresses receiving tokens directly from the bridge, end quote. Quoting 0x Misaka on Twitter, Nomad is definitely one of the best teams in crypto. This hack simply shows how hard it is to create a secure bridge infrastructure, end quote. And quoting DZAC23 on Twitter, front-running all of your bad nomad takes. One, this is why trustless bridges are better. The trust model wasn't compromised here. Two, this is why multi-chain equals bad. There was nothing bridge-specific about the exploit. And three, nomad team equals bad. Smart, good people make mistakes, end quote. Yeah, but what is it about the nature of bridges that lets it keep happening to bridges? New York's Department of Financial Services has fined Robinhood's crypto unit $30 million for allegedly violating anti-money laundering and crypto security regulations, quoting the Wall Street Journal. The New York State financial regulator said Tuesday that Robinhood Crypto LLC failed to maintain and certify compliant anti-money laundering and cybersecurity programs. As part of the consent order, Robinhood 
also will be required to retain an independent consultant to evaluate its compliance with NYDFS's regulations and its remediation efforts. NYDFS said it found significant failures through a supervisory exam and through a subsequent enforcement investigation of Robinhood. The failures, the regulator said, resulted from shortcomings in the company's management and oversight of its compliance programs. These include failures to foster and maintain a culture of compliance and to allocate adequate resources to the programs, particularly as the company grew quickly, which exacerbated the issues. NYDFS said Robinhood's Bank Secrecy Act and anti-money laundering compliance program was insufficiently staffed and failed to transition in a timely manner from a manual transaction monitoring system that was appropriate for the company's size, transaction volumes, and customer profiles. Robinhood's cybersecurity program also failed to address the company's operational risks, and its policies weren't in compliance with the regulator's cybersecurity and virtual currency regulations, NYDFS said. Robinhood also failed to comply with certain consumer protection requirements by not having a dedicated phone number on its website to receive consumer complaints, NYDFS said. The settlement with Robinhood was the first cryptocurrency sector enforcement action by NYDFS, which, given New York's role as a financial center, plays an outsized role in financial regulation and enforcement. It also comes as its new superintendent, Adrian A. Harris, looks to provide more guidance for the crypto industry and to expand the regulator's team on virtual currency, end quote. By the way, we missed talking about this, but that Elon Musk... Twitter trial is going to happen in October, October 17th through 21st, in fact. And this morning, word that things could get juicy. According to legal docs, Twitter subpoenaed information about Chamath Palihapitiya, David Sachs, Steve Jurvetson, Mark Andreessen, and others in its Elon Musk lawsuit, quoting the Washington Post. In a subpoena Twitter issued on Monday, its legal team asked for information about a who's who of Silicon Valley elite, including investors Chamath Palihapitiya, David Sachs, Steve Jurvetson, Mark Andreessen, Jason Calacanis, and Keith Rebois, among others. Some of the figures have not been previously named as having any involvement in the deal, suggesting the breadth of Twitter's search for independent information to support its legal attempt to force Musk to go through with his deal to buy the company. After Musk said he was exiting the deal last month, accusing Twitter of not being forthright about the amount of spam and bots on its service, Twitter sued Musk in a Delaware business court known as a chancery court. Musk, in turn, countersued Twitter on Friday. Twitter also issued subpoenas over the weekend to a group of banks involved in the deal, including Credit Suisse and Morgan Stanley. The subpoena obtained by The Post includes extensive requests for communications, including, quote, checklists, timelines, presentations, decks, organizational calls, meetings, notes, recordings, and other related to the deal's financing. Calacanis and Andreessen were previously known to be involved in financing aspects of the deal. The Monday subpoena obtained by the Post also specifically asked for any communications about spam and bots, as well as for information about the All-In Summit 2022, a Miami event held in May by Polly Hapatia, Calacanis, Sachs, and David Friedberg. The men host a popular podcast together, and the summit was a live event associated with the podcast. Musk spoke at the event via video conference. Calacanis and Sachs are known to be friends with Musk. Sachs worked with Musk when they ran PayPal, along with billionaire Peter Thiel, who is a friend of both. Rabois was also a PayPal executive and is a friend of Thiel. Jurvetson is a longtime friend of Musk, who is on the board of Musk's SpaceX and served on the board of electric car company Tesla, which Musk helms as CEO. A subpoena also went out to investor Joe Lonsdale, an associate of Musk and Thiel, who also spoke at the All In event. He said on Twitter on Monday, Lonsdale declined to comment beyond his tweet. 
There are a couple of things that Twitter is probably looking for here. The first would be anything nice Musk said about Twitter to encourage people to participate in the equity financing, said Adam Badawi, a law professor at the University of California at Berkeley, who is not involved in the case in a text. The second would be anything he said that contradicts his public statements about bots, end quote. The investors targeted by the subpoenas could be compelled to testify by the court, he added, quote, most venture capitalists have portfolios of companies incorporated in Delaware, so they probably don't want to run a foul of the courts. Badawi said, if there are documents or conversations relevant to this dispute, these subpoenas will probably bring them to light, end quote. Michael Jackson eating popcorn gif. Let's be real for a minute. Most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could. The problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night. But today's sponsor, Cuts, has finally changed that. Cuts t-shirts are such high-quality, wrinkle-free, and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down. Yeah, you heard that. Wrinkle-free. You never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again. If you see me in a t-shirt, it's likely one from Cuts. I'm also a huge fan of their AO5 pocket pants, the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants, like literally my ideal Venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling. When you touch something from Cuts, you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at CutsClothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. CutsClothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. We all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but when it comes to your health, there is no compromise. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines, their family group chat, their crossword puzzles, just because they're available right now or they take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally no compromises here, because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. I have personally used ZocDoc to find a podiatrist when I needed one for the first time ever in my life. Go to ZocDoc.com slash techmeme and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash tech meme zocdoc dot com slash tech meme interesting tale of post-covid times here idc reports that global chromebook shipments fell 51.4 percent year over year to 6 million units in q2 of this year still above pre-pandemic levels though while tablet shipments rose 0.15 percent year over year to 40 and a half million units but again 0.15%. That's not really growth. But this makes sense, right? We all bought a bunch of devices for work from home and especially school from home. I know we bought Penny a Chromebook so she could attend class remotely. But, uh, you know, those things don't really need to be upgraded very often. Quote, 
When the world went online because of the pandemic, tablet and Chromebook makers saw a boost in demand due to virtual schooling and work. Now that the pandemic is in the rearview mirror for many, the demand for tablets and Chromebooks is affected by the aftermath. Tablet shipments experience 0.15% growth, reaching 4.5 million units shipped during the second quarter of 2022, according to an International Data Corporation report. Tablets experience better-than-expected shipments in the quarter due to smoother deployments into education projects and several promotional sales, says IDC. Chromebook sales, however, continued to decline, with year-over-year shipment growth down 51.4% and only 6 million units shipped during Q2 2022. The decline was expected due to inventory buildup and changes in education sector demand, says IDC. Despite seeing a sharp decline in shipments, Chromebook shipment volumes are still above pre-pandemic levels. Jitesh Urbani, research manager for IDC's mobility and consumer device trackers, said that the pandemic still brought positive change to the Chromebook market. The need for remote learning accelerated schools' plans to reach a one-to-one ratio for PCs to students, and this ratio will likely continue to hold in the future. And even if PC shipments decline in other categories, Chrome will continue at these elevated levels, Urbani said in a statement, end quote. Also, did you know that the gaming industry has been suffering a post-COVID lockdown times hangover? Activision Blizzard reported Q2 revenues of $1.64 billion this quarter, down from $2.3 billion year over year, and $280 million in net income, down from $876 million in income year over year. Even their monthly active users were down 361 million mouths, down from 408 million mouths year over year. This maybe explains why Activision Blizzard was happy to be acquired by Microsoft. Or, remember, gaming is a hits-based business. Quoting Bloomberg, Last fall's Call of Duty Vanguard, which Activision said hasn't performed as well as anticipated, has had a ripple effect on the company's fiscal year. The game received negative reviews and faced stiff competition from new entries in the popular Halo and Battlefield series. During the second quarter, Activision Blizzard's division released Diablo Immortal, a new mobile entry in the action series. Activision's Chinese partner NetEase delayed Diablo Immortal's launch in the world's biggest mobile app market by about a month, saying it needed additional time. It was finally released on July 25th. Activision didn't give revenue figures for the new Diablo game on Monday. The video game industry has faced a sluggish year as it deals with hardware supply chain issues affecting consoles, inflation, and a lack of big hits. Interest in gaming has also cooled off as pandemic stay-at-home orders lifted and people resumed outside interest and activities. Spending in the video game industry is expected to drop 8.7% this year, according to a report from the analytics firm NPD Group. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, a new entry in the series, will be released on October 28th, but the series will then skip 2023, Bloomberg has reported. Activision will instead release add-ons for Modern Warfare and other Call of Duty-related content. The next mainline game in the series from the Triarch studio is planned for 2024. Call of Duty is Activision's biggest video game series, and the titles regularly top yearly sales charts. They have sold more than 400 million units since the series began in 2003, end quote. So that sounds like the Call of Duty franchise is pretty key to Activision's financial success, doesn't it? Well, not to hear Microsoft tell it, quoting Engadget. In a recent filing, Microsoft told New Zealand's Commerce Commission that Activision Blizzard produces no, quote, must-have games. Weird thing to say when the company plans to spend $68.7 billion to buy the gaming giant behind Call of Duty, Overwatch, Diablo, World of Warcraft, and plenty more. In the document, Microsoft said, quote, 
There is nothing unique about the video games developed by and published by Activision Blizzard that is a must-have for rival PC and console game distributors that give rise to a foreclosure concern, end quote. Attempting to downplay the importance of Call of Duty is just one of the ways Microsoft has tried to placate regulators. In February, the company pledged it would continue to make the franchise available on PlayStation consoles beyond any existing agreements between Sony and Activision, end quote. You know, Microsoft, a white lie is still technically a lie. Finally today, though, a quick tale of COVID times recovery. Uber reported Q2 revenue rose 105% year-over-year to $8.1 billion. Mobility gross bookings rose 57% year-over-year to $13.4 billion. The stock jumped more than 10% after hours despite Uber still reporting a $2.6 billion net loss, quoting CNBC. The company reported a net loss of $2.6 billion for the second quarter, $1.7 billion of which was attributed to investments and a reevaluation of stakes in Aurora, Grab, and Zomato. But CEO Darikos Roshahi said in a prepared statement that Uber continues to benefit from an increase in on-demand transportation and a shift in spending from retail to services. Uber relied heavily on growth in its Eats delivery business during the pandemic, but its mobility segment surpassed Eats revenue in the first quarter as riders began to make more trips. That trend continued during the second quarter. Its mobility segment reported $3.55 billion in revenue compared with deliveries $2.69 billion. Uber's freight segment delivered $1.83 billion in revenue for the quarter. Revenue doesn't include the additional taxes, tolls, and fees from gross bookings. Despite the increase in fuel prices during the quarter, Uber said it has more drivers and couriers earning money than before the pandemic, and it saw an acceleration in active and new driver growth. Quote, driver engagement reached another post-pandemic high in Q2, and we saw an acceleration in both active and new driver growth in the quarter, Khosrow Shahi said in prepared remarks. Against the backdrop of elevated gas prices globally, this is a resounding endorsement of the value drivers continue to see in Uber. Consequently, in July, surge and wait times were near their lowest levels in a year in several markets, including the U.S., and our mobility category position is at or near a multi-year high in the U.S., Canada, Brazil, and Australia, end quote. Uber recently announced new changes that may help it continue to attract and keep drivers. They'll be able to choose the trips they want, for example, and will be able to see how much they'll earn before they accept a trip. The company reported 1.87 billion trips on the platform during the quarter, up 9% from last quarter and up 24% year-over-year. Monthly active platform consumers reached 122 million, up 21% year-over-year. Drivers and couriers earned an aggregate $10.8 billion during the quarter, up 37% year-over-year." I learned on my run this morning that Industry Season 2 is already out on HBO Max. The first episode is already there. How come nobody told me? I'm going to be watching that tonight for sure. We're coming into some serious TV watching weeks in the coming months. That new Game of Thrones show is coming soon. That Lord of the Rings show is coming soon on Amazon Video. And I saw the trailer for that Andor Star Wars show, and it looked good. Like, maybe it has a plot that doesn't revolve around saving slash mentoring slash chauffeuring around a child. Something that I might actually want to watch, in other words. Count me in. Busy TV fall. Talk to you tomorrow.